Social Emotional Learning, or SEL, is the process of learning social and emotional skills, and it's every bit as important as reading or math. This process is most effective when starting early and continues through high school. SEL skills are critical when it comes to success in school, work, and in life. SEL helps students manage their emotions, have empathy, solve problems, and make responsible decisions, just to name a few. Students learn the skills to succeed in school and the rest of their lives. Welcome to episode 125 of the Teacher Rockstar podcast, a place where tips and strategies critical to the first year teacher are discussed. We share the latest educational research and best practices so that the new teacher can be better equipped for a successful classroom experience. I'm your host, Steve Hiles, and today we'll be talking about social emotional learning with our expert guest, Patrick Cook Deegan. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Would you like to supercharge your classroom management skills? Well, if you're a first-year teacher or have less than five years of classroom experience, the Teacher Rockstar Academy course is for you. Gain the confidence, the skills you'll need to make all the difference in the world for our boys and girls. Enroll now at tra.teacherclassroomresources.com. I'll be with you every step of the way. Become the best version of yourself. So invest in yourself today. Enroll now at tra.teacherclassroomresources.com teacherclassroomresources.com. Now, before we dive into today's topic, I'd like to share a little bit about our guest, Patrick Cook-Deegan. Now, Patrick is one of today's outstanding educational thought leaders. His expertise and passion lie in how to transform schools from the inside out using SEL. Patrick is the founder and CEO of the K-12 SEL curriculum provider, Wayfinder. Wayfinder was born out of Patrick's experience teaching high school students at a public school in Oakland, California. During his time there, Patrick tried to find a curriculum that would help his students develop a sense of purpose and prepare them to lead meaningful lives. Unable to find a curriculum that landed with his students, he began developing his own. Patrick's work has been featured in the Washington Post, Forbes, Boston Globe, NPR, and TechCrunch. His writing has appeared in Fast Company, Stanford, Social Innovation Review, Edutopia, UC Berkeley's Greater Good, and in the book, Purpose Rising. He has written extensively on purpose development in adolescence. Patrick is a Fulbright Scholar, All-American High School lacrosse player, Brown University graduate, and former lecturer at Stanford University and UC Berkeley. Patrick currently lives in beautiful Central Oregon with his wife and one-year-old son, Jaden, where he is an avid backcountry skier. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. All right. It's such a pleasure to have you share your expertise with us today. Um, Could you tell our listeners about your journey in the education world? Yeah, so I I graduated from a large public high school in Annapolis, Maryland, um, and always thought I wanted to go into high school education since my time being in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went to Brown and I I studied uh, the history of American education and public policy. Um, And then, you know, thought I was going to go directly into teaching and education um, and ended up during my sophomore year of college taking a, a gap year. Um, and biked about 5,000 kilometers across Southeast Asia to raise money for school. Wow. Um, Okay. And so that ended up being my first educational project, just helping to raise money and build a school. 
and then providing two K-12 girl scholarships. Um, mm-hmm. And ended up traveling for about two more years and then worked on human rights in Burma for five years. So I did a lot of informal education, um, teaching in refugee camps. And then when I would come back to the United States, speaking about global service and what was going on in Burma. And during that time, I would you know speak at high schools and middle schools and started a small program to take um, lower income American students abroad to volunteer just to get that exposure. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had a more, I guess, untraditional path for the the beginning part of my 20s. And then the latter half of my 20s, I um, started teaching mindfulness and SEL to teenagers um, and took over an organization that taught um, mindfulness to teenagers in a in the summer um, and then led wilderness trips in the summer. And then during the school year, I was teaching in California um, advisory, social, emotional learning, mindfulness high school students during the year and then leading experiential education trips during the summer. Wow. That, that is an amazing path. It certainly is. I, I, I have to ask you why, why Patrick is SEL important when it comes to learning in the classroom? And that's what I really want to key on because like I said, you know, uh, we, uh, I think it would be extremely helpful for the new teacher or the one just fresh out of college, you know, to, to have this information. Yeah. Well, the, core the fundamental thing you need for anyone to learn is one a connection to the material and the person teaching it mm-hmm. and then two, your brain needs to be in in a learning stance right yeah right in sports if you go in and you're like hey let's try this new move in basketball but you're not warmed up or you're thinking about something else or your shoulder hurts like you would you wouldn't do it right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Really, how I think about it is that, you know, if you want to learn math, science, the history of, you know, where did where did the printed printing press come from, whatever it is, if you're not focused, you can't learn anything. And so a lot of core SEL and foundational skills come down to can I regulate myself and can I regulate my attention? Right. And. That's at the individual learner stance. And then there's a lot of research that shows that, you know, students learn when they feel connected to one, the person, and two, why they're learning it. Right, right. Okay. That's that's really uh, something here. Um, then how does SEL improve the emotional health of students? Um, you know, I know, I, I have to tell you, I know when I first started teaching, you know, SEL wasn't, I, I don't know if, it just didn't seem to be, if it wasn't math or science, you know what I mean? If it wasn't something that you can grade or put in a grade, but whatever, it, it just wasn't talked about. Uh, and, and, you know, and uh, so, but the bottom line is, how does SEL improve the emotional health of students, you know? Yeah, so, you know, SEL is traditionally broken down into a a few different categories about behavior management, self-awareness, ability to work with others. Um, But at the core is like if SEL goes well and, you know, it it has to be taught well, is that students have a better understanding of who they are, Mm -hmm. what they care about, how to regulate themselves, how to work well with other people, um, and then how to function in society. Right. Those are some of the core things that SEL gets at when it goes well. 
Right, right. Um, would you recommend when, when a teacher is teaching SEL concepts, okay, uh, uh, that it, it be a specific time of the day, uh, like, I don't know, during homeroom or incorporated in with actual lessons like math, science, social studies, that kind of thing? What do you yeah, think? I mean, yeah, I think it just it really depends, particularly by division. So elementary, middle and high school, it's so different. Yeah, right? it's much easier for a second grade teacher to integrate it than it is for an 11th grade calculus teacher. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So oh, yeah. Context is key here. I do think that, you know, one of the failings of SEL is it's often kind of like put in a corner and they're like, okay, let's do SEL for five minutes in the corner and then let's come back to the real world. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And then shockingly, it doesn't work that well. So I think there's a lot of times for you, you know, let's say you're even having a debate in civics class about something and people uh -huh. get really heated and they're getting after it. You just be like, okay, let's all take a deep breath, you know, mm -hmm. stay cool. And then let's continue the debate. So you don't have to do some like lesson but you can just take a moment and pause and, and see where we're going. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense there. Um, now tell me this, how, you know, can you speak to how SEL promotes teamwork and leadership? Yeah. Well, I mean, I run a company, right. And I played team sports for a long time. Uh huh. And, you know, I, I think a lot of being a leader is being able to read how people are doing and where they're at emotionally. Right. Mm -hmm. So leading a sports team and everyone's down on themselves, right. Being a coach and getting more down on them isn't the best thing to do, but let's say you're leading a team and they're like feeling a little cocky, then maybe the best thing to do is to lean into them and chew them out a little bit. But if yeah. you do the same thing at the wrong time, it can be the wrong thing to do. And the key thing you have to be able to do to do that is to read people. Right. Okay. All right. Then how does SEL foster a more inclusive learning environment? Yeah. Well, the main thing about that is just paying attention to like what, what else is in the room, what other people in the room, what other type of people in the room, Uh huh. And, you know, there are certain things that you might notice, or there are certain things you might not notice. And again, <laughs> sorry, that comes down a little bit to your attention and your awareness, right? So you yeah. might in the class, we probably all have these students where it's like the same student just talks all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had them. <laughs> talking, talking and talking. And then there are certain students that are never speaking up either because they feel nervous or that one person just keeps talking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, an inclusive classroom, one of the things is that people get to say things. It's not just the same three people. Right. So in terms of social emotional learning and self-awareness, you could go to the, that person, it's generally a young guy and be like, Hey, you notice that you kind of talk all the time. Like, do you even notice that first of all? And so yeah. why do you do that? And what do you think that does to the classroom? Yeah, right? absolutely. But we've all had that student. And so the question is, how do you address that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good point there. You know, uh, this leads me to something else I wanted to talk to you about here. And that's, um, you know, 
how do students achieve greater academic success with SEL? I mean, I think the the new teacher just coming, uh, uh, you know, their first year on the job, um, you know, how how would that help help them? What what could they do here? You know, or yeah, well, you know, there's a ton of research which I won't get into because people can look it up about how SEL improves academic outcomes. Uh huh. But I would just think of it from the basic perspective. There's this one uh, researcher and kind of leading neuroscientist named Dr. Dan Siegel based out of UCLA. Uh huh. Writes a lot about the neuroscience of the teenage brain. And he has this thing where he calls it flipping your lid, which is basically when your brain is in fight or flight or freak out mode, mm-hmm. it can't really focus on almost anything we want students to focus on in school, right? It's in survival mode. Someone's really angry. Someone's hungry. Someone's really upset. Someone's focused on something else. If that's where their attention is, their attention's your, your attention at any given moment can't be on two things at once. Right. So if that's right. where you're is, then you're not going to pay attention to what's being taught. So a key part of SEL is one, helping students recognize what's like what place they're in mentally. And then two, if your wit is flipped because someone says something mean to you at lunch, because someone on social media is bullying you because mm-hmm. you have a test in three periods and you can't get it out of your mind, right? All of these places your mind could be is can you recognize that? And then do you have the resources and tools to recenter yourself so that you can come back and actually pay attention? Because if you, everyone here knows, especially if you're teaching this year, if a student's not paying attention to you, they're not learning anything. Right, right. And generally a good approach to getting them to pay attention to you isn't just say, hey, pay attention. Like how many times has that worked? Right. <laughs> right. And it's an underlying behavior that a student or person has that is repeated, right? And until you get into the nuances of that, they're probably not going to change their behavior. But I right. think when SEL or mindfulness is done effectively, it's used as a way to change behavior so that, but, but that a, a student can do it themselves and they don't need an outside person telling them to intervene in that way. Right. And, you know, Patrick, this kind of ties in with uh, Eric Jensen's brain-based learning theories, you know, about how emotion plays a very big part in in the brain learning. You, you know, uh, I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's uh, uh, fantastic there. Um, which leads me to the next thing I want to talk to you about is, is how, how does the SEL help educators interact with students on a, a more intimately? Yeah. So at the core of any, I think, good teaching classroom or relationship is a connection, right? Okay. So yeah. if, you're, if you don't have a connection with your students, it's going to be really hard for them to want to learn from you. Right. So I always thought when I was a teacher and I taught mostly freshmen and sophomore boys um, in high school, but I taught a range of folks. Uh What you want to establish at the beginning of the year is a sense of connection and a shared and give them, you know, a sense of who you are outside of just teaching content. Not too much, but some. Right. Um, And then you want to know who they are to some extent as well. And so a lot of what like Wayfinders curriculum focuses on, for example, is like helping that adult student relationship and building that sense of connection. 
Okay. Um, the younger grades, that happens more naturally. But as you know, we get older into the grade, seventh, eighth, ninth, twelfth grade, there's less time built in for connection and it's so content focused. And often that content lead, leaves out some of this necessary stuff to build that connection. Right, right. Well, um, what would be some examples of SEL questions that teachers could ask their students? Um, like, for example, if you had a, a question about regarding an, an emotions or self-awareness, uh, what might be a question, you know, what would be an example of a SEL question? Yeah, I think of it less as questions. Mm -hmm. I think of it more as activities or lessons. Uh -huh. If it's just a question, it comes off as kind of like random or weird, right? And, and that's where SEL kind of loses, and I would say gets made fun of, for lack of a better term. Because you can't just sit there with a ninth grade board and be like, how are you doing? You know, and he's like, why are you asking me that? Yeah, yeah. Morning. So yeah. to me, I, I think it's much more like Wayfinder's whole curriculum, design K through 12, uh -huh. is what are activities and lessons that foster a sense of belonging and connection? And I actually don't think you do those in one question. Um, I think you do them in a series of activities and lessons over time and that individual questions are part of it. But if you just leave it to the one-off question, which is often done in SEL, I think it comes off as a little cheesy or random or, uh -huh. Like, oh, uh, or like it could be seen as like you're trying too hard. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I also think it's different for every classroom and every student. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like, so mm -hmm. one size fits all here. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, can you speak to this virtual reality thing and its implications in the classroom? Uh, you, you know, where they put them, which McCall's on. And, and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> see things in 3D. Yeah, I can't speak a lot to that because I I got out of the classroom a few years ago. Uh huh. So I wasn't around when that was happening. So I try not to speak to things I don't know about. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> okay, yes. no problem, no problem. Uh, let me ask you this then, Patrick. In what ways can a teacher consistently? Uh, and this is what I want to have my, my new teachers really, you know, focus on is consistently model SEL in and out of the classroom. Yeah. So I think one thing that's very simple is like students and human beings can tell when someone cares how they're doing. Right. So mm -hmm. if you look at research on employers and workplaces, one of the number one things that employees look for is does my manager care about me in my future right yeah the number one thing and in the classroom it's the same thing is does my teacher care about who i am do they know anything about me and that doesn't mean sometimes there's like this connotation with that that you have to know everything about them and ask them how they're doing all the time and for some students that might totally backfire so i think it's different for each student Yes, I do too. But there's ways that you can show you care about someone, in, even if they're quiet and subtle, and that goes a long way, and students notice that. So I would say that's one thing, is just um, 
just connecting and, and caring yeah. for your students. Yeah, but basic, um, basically a genuine concern for the student. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why most people get into education. Right, right. And yeah. how about, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, I think, I think it's pretty rare that someone is sitting in their room one day is like, you know what, I don't really care about kids and I don't really want to deal with them. So I'm going to go become a teacher. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I still think that happens. Now, by this time of year, it's March, it's spring break. There are definitely thoughts of like, man, why did I do this? Yeah. <laughs> and June can't come fast enough. <laughs> and I wish it would go away. So that's totally real. But I think it's easy to, with all the demands on teachers and post-COVID reality. Is oh, yes, yes. To forget that part. But I think that's one of the simplest ways. The other, I think another really simple thing, but it's powerful. And Dr. Bill Damon at Stanford studied this, who some of our work is modeled off of, is mm -hmm. that humans like knowing why humans do something. Right. So if someone opens a restaurant and you talk to the chef and they, sh they love cooking, they just love food, mm -hmm. next you more to the food. And uh, there was a study where they basically teachers went up and they said, here's why I became a teacher. Here's what motivates me. Here's what made me want to do that. It actually got students way more invested in their classroom, regardless of um, the subject or SES or anything else. I said, mm -hmm. like to know why someone's doing it. And so I think another way they can model that in like a healthy way is just say, hey, here's why I'm here. Here's what I'm hoping to get out of the year. And here's what motivates me to do this. Right. Now, how about out of the classroom? What would you what would you suggest to teachers uh, how they model SEO out of the room? Uh, I think the main thing is just taking care of yourself outside of the classroom, which is much easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, if you think of flight or flight, it applies to adults and kids as well. So if your your neurocircuitry is out of whack, if you're not sleeping enough, if you're eating bad, if you don't work out, if you know, you're just working too much, then, you know, like people can feel that. Mm -hmm. right? you feel when you're tweaked out and I know that's super challenging because teachers especially if you're coaching and then you have your own family and you have a commute like that's much easier said than done but I do think trying to stay balanced yourself and even if you can't do all of the things you need to do making what I've seen some teachers do is do like they have like five or eight, eight things they want to do and then they can't so they do none of them right so it's keeping like two or three Mm -hmm. you know? and, yeah, I think it's really easy to throw them all out, especially this time of year. Right. Absolutely. Um, I, I know that um, here uh, previously, COVID really hampered uh, SEL. I mean, uh, wouldn't you agree to that? I mean, you know, obviously we're all the schools are back in session now, um, but um, that was a hard thing during that time. You know, and uh, and I just wanted you to address if we go into a, 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 a situation like that again, or, or maybe they're teaching through distance learning, maybe something else, you know, uh, transpired that they have to do that. How does one, you know, implement SEL in a situation like that, you know, where you're teaching through distance? Yeah, I and mean, I think it's, I don't have a silver bullet, so I'm not yeah. going to 
and silver bullet answer. It's that yeah. humans are designed to interact through screens. Uh-huh. So SEL was hard because interacting through a screen is hard. And a lot of SEL is picking up on the subtle cues that are in a room that you can read people mm-hmm. really hard um, in person. Right. Yeah. So yeah. It's like a, it might seem like a random example, but if you look at what makes a really good in-person poker player versus an online poker player, they actually have really different makeups because the people that are really good at it in person are reading the other people in the room in a way that you can't do that online. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. Right. So there's just a different skill set. So, you know, if I was sitting here telling you I have a magic solution to that, uh, yeah, I'd probably be a rich man. Yeah, I I, I hear that. Well, let me ask you this then, Patrick, how does the teacher concretely develop, uh, SEL, like for example, problem solving and effective collaborations through content? Well, give me some more specifics because, you know, am I a second grader teacher in science? Am I 12th? Okay. Well, let's just take it for elementary. Let's take that, say a fourth grader, you know, uh, and you're teaching them uh, mathematics. Let's say uh, you know how to how to find uh, digital roots or how to regroup or something like that. So how does the teacher develop an SEL to to uh, help you know with problem solving? Yeah, I'm. Well, one, it's very context specific, and two, uh-huh. I. Th- I have mixed feelings. Like, I think there can be like an overreach of this too. Uh-huh. So like you're like in the middle of like long division class and you're like, let's all take a deep breath. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's like this kind of fakeness to it that happens. So I'm like definitely not a fan of that. But what I would say, like in that context is like generally some people get math easier than others. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I wasn't particularly good at math compared to some of my peers. And so <laughs> I got frustrated easily. Uh-huh. And then math in high school, I had to get a tutor and the tutor like really, really helped me. And so to me, it's not like I'm in the middle of long division and I'm going to do some random thing to pretend to do SEL. It might be more like, hey, when you don't get the answer the first time, how do you react? And is that helpful? And what could you do differently? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think. To be, hey, if you don't know this, like I didn't, like who could you reach out to for help? Okay. All right. Well, uh, Patrick, uh, what's the biggest takeaway that you would want new teachers uh, to know? when it comes to SEL? Yeah, I mean, I would just say that the fundamental thing, especially, you know, the first year of teaching, it's kind of scary and overwhelming. Hopefully your folks by this time of the year, if they're listening, made it this far. Um, But but to me, it's, it's about connection with the students and finding some small way to connect with Mm -hmm. the students that you're responsible for. All right. Okay. It doesn't take a lot like like the amount that you have to do to connect with them doesn't take a ton. But if you find one little thing for each student, I think it can go a really long way. Yes, absolutely. I think so too. Uh, let me ask you, where can folks go to connect with you to learn more about, you know, I mean, you have a website you'd like to, to share? 
Yeah, our Wayfinder's website is withwayfinder.com. Uh-huh. And we've like a comprehensive SEL and future ready skills curriculum. And re- right now we have about uh, 500 schools and half a million kids across the country. Um, and, and this year we're hoping to double that to about a million schools or a million kids and uh-huh. a thousand across the country oh that's fantastic that is great (laughs) it's with wayfinder.com and we have sample curriculum resources that you can look for Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the things that i think differentiates us is trying to meet students with their app with sel and not making it cheesy and overdone and also really especially you know i i started being a high school teacher is Uh making it feel relevant and real to students and connecting it to their future pathways in life. So having it not just be SEL in a corner, but more like, hey, there's these foundational skills to being a human when you're an adult or being an employee of anywhere that you're going to need to be successful in the 21st century. And that's what students. And some of them you would identify as, quote, SEL, and some of them you'd identify as, quote, CTE, uh-huh. But it turns out when you have a job, they're the same simultaneously all the time. You know, it's not like in your job, you're like, oh, it's CTE time. And now it's SEL. <laughs> yeah. No one that ever does that is school. Uh-huh. It's all it's all there all the time. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Patrick, I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. All right, and I look forward to having you back on the show again. I want you to have a great day, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate uh, everyone listening out there, and good luck uh, in the final push of the school year. All right, thanks again. Well, my friend, this brings us to the end of this episode. Hope you found some gold nuggets from the information presented that you can implement in your classroom tomorrow. Feel free to reach out should you have any questions or comments about this episode. I want to thank you for listening to the Teacher Rockstar Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hiles. When you get a moment, visit my blog and subscribe to my newsletter for the latest educational research, best practices, and unadvertised free bonuses. Go to blog.teacherclassroomresources.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us at the Teacher Rockstar Podcast. And if you'd like to support us, please feel free to share our podcast with others, post about it on social media, and if you feel comfortable, leave a rating and review. That's always greatly appreciated. Thanks again. We'll see you same time, same place next week. And remember, my friend, you got this.